Thank you for listening to the Renovate Life Church of God's broadcast. Here's today's message from our pastor, James Demmel. Because I want you to understand that even though people have a spiritual understanding, that does not mean it's the right one. Well, pastor, what are you talking about? You know that there's a lot of spiritual people out there. How, well, how do you know? Because I know that, that horoscopes, I looked this up, horoscope applications have been downloaded 5,732,000 times. Well, you don't think that that's a spiritual thing? People are downloading their horoscopes so they can look to the stars about what's going on so that they can see in the spiritual. Because listen, this is why people are doing that. They know they need something. And the church is not providing the real. And so we got to download horoscopes 101. Baby, what's my horoscope today? Well, you're going to be fertile. You're going to have 13 kids and be rich. Yes! I want some of that. Your day's not looking so well, but don't worry, it will look up. What? Your day is not... I, 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 last night, that is the actual horoscope I got for me. Your day is not looking so... I thought, why well, that a fine day. So if it's looking up, it's going to be a real good day. But it's midnight. Your day is not going so well, but it's looking up. Well, people are swallowing it, hook, line, and sinker. It's stupidity. Can, can I say stupidity? Well, I say a lot of other things from the platform. It's craziness. It causes trouble. It causes affliction. But it's, I want you to understand, coming from a spiritual perspective. Well, what's another thing? Palm readers. Help me, Lord. So you're telling me that people go to have their lines on their hands read. I have an M on my hand. Maserati. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. Is that not an M? That's an M. That's what my horoscope's telling me. Where's it at? Obviously, my, my palm reader was way off. But it's a spiritual perspective. It's something spiritually that we're dealing with, and, and we're okay with that, and we're having people read our palms. Why? Because people are looking for something that is real. But we're dealing in the physical. A horoscope is physical. A palm reading is physical. Now, when I come driving up with a Maserati next Sunday, well, I'll, I'll, I will have stolen it, just so you know. <laughs> Look at the relationship between our emotional responses. And how God says we deal. I talked to you a little earlier about how we deal with anger. Ephesians 4.24 says this. Wherefore putting away lying, speaking, or speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we, now watch, we are members of one another. Be ye angry and sin not. 
Let not the sun go down upon thy wrath. Verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Another version says it like this. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Because we're all members of the same body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now watch this verse 27. Do not give the devil a foothold. What the Bible is making a correlation with is uncontrolled anger gives Satan the opportunity to have a foothold in your life. Many of us are having issues today because of uncontrolled anger. Things that were never dealt with in our life. And now, years later, they're popping up in the emotional responses because we're dealing in a spiritual realm. How do we combat this? That's really the question of the day. And I want to set up an understanding because it's going to take more than one message to give you this understanding. See, I basically just gave you an intro. The Bible even places Satan in the marriage concept of sexual understanding. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time. That ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again. That Satan tempt ye not for your incontency. Means for your inability to do what you're supposed to. The breakdown of your nature. So what it says is that husbands and wives have a dynamic physical life so that when Satan's attempts to break up your marriage occur, you already understand through spiritual warfare. Why? Because it said fast and pray. What he's doing. See, he's out to get the family. And because we're all affected and because we're all infected, my goodness, we need the, the, the CDC out here. Because we're infected. We're infected with brokenness. We're infected with messed up lives. We're infected with things in our life that we can't seem to get a grip on. But see here, everybody's sitting on the church. If you want me to tell you what happens, we're too prideful to step out. See, I have to be transparent because there's no way that I can talk to you and get, get a powerful response from God unless I'm transparent with you. But you don't have to be transparent with me. You, you can be whatever you want to be because you're sitting on the church pew and so we can preach this message that's dynamic and powerful and, and full of the Spirit and everybody sits there well because I don't want people to know. We're doing it every Sunday. And for some people, we're doing it every fourth Sunday because they only come once. We got those bi-weeklyers, baby, and they think that they're just, they're the cream of the crop. Hey, pastor, they're like movie stars when they come in. Hey, good to see you this week. Hey, I won't be here next week. 
But the week after, Pastor, oh, man, you're going to get it. That's what we do. Because our, our church is about sixth on the list. But what you don't understand is you are fighting the spiritual. So when church becomes about the sixth thing that you do every week, you're in trouble. And we find that the world is in major trouble and they don't know why. It's because they've rejected the spiritual combat that we're in. And there's only a few of you that understand it. I'm trying to give you an understanding of it. So when you walk back in, into that facility, you know what? I, I don't know why, but right now I, I'm, I'm painting a picture of this in my mind. When you walk back into this new facility, they're building up on the hill for the state workers. And you walk in in the mechanics department. And he's wrenching on something. And you go over there and you say what's going on. He blows up. And he cusses you till a fly wouldn't lie. And he says you're ignorant and you're an idiot. And you don't know what you're talking about. And he's sick of working on these, these, these projects for you. Because you won't buy him the right tools. And you won't do this and you won't do that. And, and you're standing there. Maybe you're the boss. Or maybe you're part of the department. I don't, but you have taken the flack for the physical. And now you're mad. Don't you think Satan didn't have a hand in that? And so you cuss him back. Or you fire him or you punch him in the mouth. I mean, it depends on what kind of redneck you are. And then he leaves. Listen, don't watch what happens. He leaves and his life has not changed. His life's messed up. It's broken. His nose may be broken too. You don't know why that it's happening. But what if, what, what if we could just step back from the situation? What if we could just step back from the problem? I, I, I'm closing. If he'll come to the piano. But before I close, I, I have two stories. My dad, will be, he'll be dead two years in January. And about three months before he died, nobody knows this. I don't even know that I've told Kate this story. Because it just kind of happened. About two, two months before, three months before he died. I was, I decided Friday. And I really need to tell you this story, so I hope I don't get tore up. I decided Friday of that week, I'm not going to church. I'm done. Now you have to understand, I'm a hard-headed individual. So when I'm done, I'm done. You can take me to the brink of stupidity, but when I'm done, I'm done. So I decided I didn't tell a soul. I'm not going back to church. I'm done. Saturday came. People's calling me. Oh, Pastor, we're so excited about the message this week. <laughs> me too. I'm done. I was so broken. I, I was stretched to the core of what a person can be stretched to. My wife was crazy. My kids were crazy. There's a thousand things going on. I'm working a job 50 hours a week. I'm, I'm coming home and dealing with church people. You know that's what I call you all. Church people. I can't take on another thing. I decided I'm sick of this. I'm not doing anything. And 
So Sunday morning I got up and, and I just kind of moseyed around the house and I got my, my dress pants on. I got one sock on and one shoe and I had one arm in my dress shirt. And I was sitting, if you've ever been to my house, I have a couch right as soon as you walk in the door and I was sitting kind of propped up, leaning, my suit coat and everything laying next to me and it was like 10 minutes till 10. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this situation. I hate my life. I don't want anything to do with it. I was just broken. I mean, I'm broken. And I will be, someone starts knocking on my front door. I didn't answer it. And I remember thinking in my mind, I am done. Maybe they'll just go away. I'm done. All of a sudden, my door swings open, and there's my 300-pound dad, and he goes, what are you doing here? I said, what are you doing here? He said, I texted you like 10 times, and I called you. What are you doing here? Don't you have church? It's at 10 o'clock, right? Yeah, I'm done. He's like, oh, whatever. He goes out to the garage like I'm not even there. I'm like, didn't he just hear that I'm done? He gets whatever he came there for, which is very odd because my dad really didn't come to my house that much unless he had to fix something because I'm an idiot. And so he comes back in the church or in the house and he's like, get ready. You've got to go. And I said, I'm not going to church. I'm done. He said, and I know you all are thinking this, but pastor, you love us. We're your sheep. What are you going to do? There's nobody there to preach. And in my mind, what I was thinking, because my mind was so messed up, it's a spiritual battle. What I'm thinking is somebody will get up, say a couple words. They'll pray a little bit. Somebody will come looking for me. I'll be gone. They'll go home. My dad has never, I would never say he's a real spiritual person in my life, but he's a man's man. You, you know what I'm saying? He's the kind of go, a guy that will get out and spend 14 hours working on a transmission with you, just trying to teach you how to do it. He comes in the house and he's like, you're serious about this, aren't you? I was like, yes, I'm done. I, I'm sick of it. I'm staring off into space. I'm numb. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm done. I'm being transparent with you today. I'm done. My dad's standing where my bar is at my house. Starts to pray. It was, it was probably the last time that we actually had some kind of communication where he said, get up and get your pants on and be a man. But he didn't do it that way like he normally did. He began to pray and the words that he said I will never forget because he would die. Months later, he said, Lord, I pray right now that you begin to touch my son. He said, Father, this is not about him, but he can't understand it right now because he is in a battle. Give him strength today as he goes to preach. Change him. Transform him. Help him. God, because he needs your strength. He said, God, I know what it's like to be in that kind of struggle. I know what it's like to have that kind of issue. And I'll be honest with you, at that time I wasn't crying. 
I was just looking at him like, are you crazy? He finishes. And after he finishes, he says, get up and get in the car. He said, get your, get your clothes on and get in the car. And so I, I remember like getting ready because my dad told me to get ready. And I, th- I thought this, I thought, I'm just going to drive down the street until he's gone. Oh, no, that, that's not how it worked that day. Because he gets in his car and he backs out on the road and he sits in the middle of the road waiting on me. So I pull out. As soon as I pulled my car out, I, I broke into I, Dude, I, I was a mess. I just started crying. I was falling to pieces. And I was, God, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what's going on in my life. I need your help. I couldn't even see to drive my car. They probably thought that the pastor had gotten drunk on the way to church. And I remember that morning, I was following Grace Bentley and Deb to church. You know, them two, right here, they're not here today. And they were like, well, like people are. They're sticking their arms out the window. Pastor, you're behind me. And I can't even see the road to drive. And I think, okay, I'm going to come down the middle of MacArthur to the red light. Dad's going to turn right. I'm going to turn left. Wrong. He follows me. Once he sees that I've made it almost to the church, he turns around and he heads back the other way. And I stop right here at the pump house across the street. I'm I'm messed up. I I don't want nothing to do with anything. And I'm like, God, you got to help me. You ever been there? I I don't have a solution. I don't have an answer. I don't have, there's nothing that I can do. I'm numb to this and I'm done. And so I stopped there to get myself all together. I get into the church. After I get myself together, and everybody's like, where are you? Kate runs up. I, I called you. Where were you at? And I was like, oh, you know. I go into my office, and I hibernate before, so, until church starts. And I come out, and I can remember standing right here. You know, this is my spot right here. Thank God I don't have it today. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I just, I, I don't know. I'm done. I can remember saying, I need your help more now than ever before. And I've faced some things in my life, some big things. I'm done with this whole thing. You ever been done with church? You ever been done with, with Christianity? You ever been done with the life that you live and not know why you're done with that? And I just kept saying it over, you got to help me, you got to help me. And I took the platform and I even, the prayer that I prayed was a broken prayer. And I said multiple times, you've got to help me. And he did. He helped me that day. I've never looked back. I've had multiple times in my life where I was just done with a situation or a circumstance. But this is what I gathered from this. I exited the platform that day. Somebody prayed. I went out to the foyer where I always go to the foyer because I love people. I love them. I I genuinely want people to be better than what they were because I know what I was before. I knew the Lord. And I want that for them. I want them to be different. And so people come out. Oh, pastor, that was a good message. Pastor, that spoke to me today. Pastor, I needed that. I go home. Nobody knows. My wife don't even know. I go home, people are texting. Pastor, that message changed my life today. 
And I'm thinking, I needed God today. I don't know how anything touched you because I was the one that needed God. You know, there are days that your pastor needs God. Because we fight a battle that is spiritual. A battle that is bigger than all of us. And we don't fight physical things. You don't fight people. I don't fight Bruce. I don't fight Tara. You don't fight. Because you know the Lord. You don't fight each other. See, it's in my family. We're fighters. If something goes wrong, well, I'll square up with you right now. You ain't going to talk to me that way. I, oh, I, I will chunky dunk you. You keep, say another word, I'm on throat punch. That's how we operate. But that's not how God operates because God operates from a perspective of love. I don't know how that I'm going to tell this next story without falling to pieces, but there's one more story that I want to tell you because it's spiritual warfare. Don't worry about that. That, that. That's spiritual warfare. I was at Grove City. It was about seven years ago, and I, I promise I'm over my time. I'll let you go. That particular day at Grove City, I preached a Sunday morning service, and then we went to the nursing home, and Pastor Barr had a death call, and he called me five minutes before we walked through the door at the nursing home, and he said, you're going to have to teach Teach whatever you can think of. I've got to go. And so I preached a second time that day at the nursing home. Then we got back for our, our um, young adult service. It was the third one that we had. There was maybe 40 people there at best. As a matter of fact, I preached to more dying people in the nursing home than I did at our young adult service that night. But I, when I got to that service, I was I was just drained. I was so tired. I didn't want anything to do with anything. I, I just wanted to preach and go home. And I, I think Kelsey and Dustin were there that night. And, and I, I, I remember I preached in Grove City has this big platform. There's like six steps. And then it like juts out like this. And everybody came to the altar and I prayed with a couple people. But you ever just can't, can't reach into the spiritual because you're just so tired. And so I walked over at the edge where, where the pulpit was, and I, I got up on there, and I sat down to where my feet dangled. And when I sat down, Grove City is set up just like our church, except there's four rows, just like this. There's, there's three aisles. And in this row, this man sat where Mark was. And I noticed when I was preaching that this guy's eyeballing me. Now, this guy looked to me to be about 50 years old, and his hair was a matted mess. It was longer on one side. His face was dirty. He was just a nasty looking fella. That's what I observed from the platform. And, and, and I, I just didn't want anything to do with that that day. God help me. And I sat down after preaching. Feet dangling like a little kid. And I was doing this. And this dude's looking at me. I mean, he's eyeballed me the whole service. He's just watching every move that I make. Everything that I did. And so I thought, oh, you want some of this? I'll stare back. 
And I'm watching him like a hawk. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. Who's going to win this battle? Right? And so I noticed that, and I begin to think, well, he wants money. And just like at this church, we have a protocol. We had a protocol at Grove City. You just didn't give people money. We don't give money here. We'll help whatever issue you got. And I wasn't dealing with the protocol that day. So, I, actually, I think I went up on the platform and said, do you have any money to Kate? She looked at me like, no. So I had like, like $3 in my pocket. And I come back and I sat back down, the money in my hand. And I look over, he's still looking. So I went. He comes up to me and this is what I want you to understand. When he gets right about to the corner of the front row, this smell hits me. Now he was wearing a white shirt, but it was more like yellow. I'll never forget it as long as I live. He was wearing black like mesh basketball shorts with the red line. And when he walked around the corner, Kelsey and Dustin, I don't know if you remember, but when he walked around the corner, I noticed that he had duct tape holding his shoes together. Anything that I've told you, I'm not proud of, but I did it. I remember taking a breath, looking away from him. How long have you been homeless? It's about three years when my mom passed away. And I remember thinking, oh, this is so terrible. Worse. I'm a nurse. I smell some smells. Any nurses in the house? You, I, you smell some stuff, don't you? I'll put that smell up against anything. I turned my head again and I took a breath. Where'd you stay last night? Oh, I stayed in a field out here. There's a, a log pile out not far from the church out here in a field. Nobody bothers me there. Take a deep breath. And, What's your name? He said, Daniel. 27 years old. He looked like he was 50. He said, my name's Daniel. And so I just handed him the money. I didn't want to deal with it. I went like this. Exactly like this. <laughs> and this guy, he made me realize what I was. Bruce, he just, th- he threw himself on me. I'm standing. People are praying. I forgot all about him, Brenda. I forgot all about him because he just like falls. Oh man, he hugs me. The tightest I've probably ever been hugged in my life. And he just starts to cry. And he says, I need Jesus. He didn't want my money. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I forgot all about him being there. I forgot about the smell. I forgot about everything that I thought I was. And God began to speak to me right then. And that's really when I probably got my calling I'd been in ministry a long time because I, I forgot all about this guy holding me and I began to say, God, send me the broken. God, I pray, Lord, what have I become? What have I become that I would turn someone away that needed you? What have I become? 
We're in a battle, church. We're in the middle of spiritual warfare, and every person that you contact, every person that you come in contact with, they need God. They need God. I prayed with him. I was totally... I forgot about him again. God spoke to me and said, if you can't take these people, if you can't pray for these people, if you can't help these people, then I can't use you. Because these people need me just like the rich people do. These people need me just like the average person does. These people are broken. We're here today and we're all broken. We're all messed up. We're all in need of a Savior. His name is Jesus. We face spiritual warfare. That night, I was in spiritual distress. The other story I told you, I was in spiritual distress. We don't wrestle church in the physical. Nothing that you do has roots to the physical that you see in front of you. Do you understand that? Everything that we do is first birthed in the spiritual into the things that you cannot see. And then it makes it to us in the physical. Thank you for joining us today. If this message has uplifted you, we would love to hear your story. Go to www.renovatelifecog.com and click contact. Your testimonies are a blessing to us throughout the week. Renovate Life is a place of healing for the lost, the broken, the weak, weary, and stray.